0: They amazing? Yeah. They create such an amazing environment for you to experience God's presence and I, I so appreciate what they do. Hey, welcome to week two of a series we're calling Overwhelmed. Last week we looked at anxiety and this week we're going to talk about getting past your past. Next week we're going to talk about fear and overcoming fear. Have any of you ever been stopped in your tracks from doing something in the future that you need to do by fear. Anybody? Okay, both of you. Thank you. And then uh, the the last week of this series, we're going to talk about what to do when you've been hurt by somebody and you don't know how to get past it. And my friend Scott Jones is going to be here and he's going to be a part of that that message uh, that day. And so uh, I hope you'll be a part of that. Uh, Before we jump into what we're going to talk about today, I just need to address... Uh, something that happened this week. I, I really feel like it's a necessary thing. We, as a part of the series last week, we talked about anxiety and encouraged, encouraged you, if you needed it, to take a break from social media. And I was doing that as well this week, and so I wasn 't tuned into what was happening. And on Wednesday, uh, when we have our, our first planning meeting for Sunday, uh, one of the guys in the meeting said that there was a shooting in Florida. Again, another one. And I, I, maybe you had the reaction that I had. I just was immediately sad. I just thought, why, why is this still happening? What is going on? Now, I, I don't have the answer as to how we solve this. I, I really don't know what to tell you to make this better. I simply know that throughout the last 2,000 years, followers of Jesus, whenever there is a deep wound in any society, they always insert themselves and say, we're going to be part of the healing." This is an act, when someone does this, this is an act of evil, uh, but it's also an act of disconnection because it's always the same story, isn't it? It's this guy, he's mad, he's angry, and then he acts out and he wasn't connected to any, it's always a he, he wasn't connected to anybody that he opened up to and he knew that he was loved. There's a disconnection and that disconnection made the evil possible. And so here's, here's what I, I want to say is this is a great moment for God's people The church, maybe you don't know this, the church does not exist for Christians. The church is Christians, and Christians are for the world. And so this is our moment, uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, for us to step up and insert ourselves into this in some way. And I'm going to give you two ways you can do this. We're going to talk a whole bunch about this in the future. But uh, number one is you can invest yourself in the next generation. You can go volunteer in a school, and you can read to kids, and you can... Um, work uh, with junior hires or high schoolers and be a mentor. You can be involved in our kids ministry and our student ministry, investing in the next generation because they need people, adults who love them and serve as role models that they say, that person cares about me. Man, you make a massive difference when you do that. I I have two volunteers, one when I was a, a kid growing up and one that was a, when I was a teenager that made a massive difference in my life. They weren't paid anything. They were by no means cool in any way, shape, form, or fashion. They, so Sometimes you think, well, i got to be cool. No, you don't. You just have to have the ability to love somebody, and you can make a massive difference. And then the second thing is, uh, and we'll talk about this in the, the months to come, is you need to gather some other people around you and go through life with a few other people connected to other people many people treat spirituality like a rocket ship like i'm on my own journey and forget everybody else instead of doing that how about if you just go on the journey with a few other people and we're going to give you some tools as to how to do that in in the coming days okay you game for that okay i want to invite you to stand with me if you would uh we're going to read the passage of scripture we're going to look at today from the book of isaiah in the old testament isaiah was a prophet uh, who wrote to the people of Israel in his day, and he writes this to us as well. I'll, it'll be on the screen, and you can follow along as I read out loud. Uh, read that very, those first four words with me. Ready? Here we go, really loud. Forget the former things. One more time, say it again. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. Well, I got a question for you. And here's my question. Is your past... Stuck in you. Now, notice I didn't ask you, "Are you stuck in the past?" I didn't ask you, "Do you love the '70s, and you just can't get past them?" I didn't ask you if you love the '80s. Good, good news. If you love the '80s, the '80s are coming back. Sorry, apologies. I don't know why, but they are. I I didn't ask that question. I asked you the question: Is your past stuck in you? One of my friends says it this way: Many people live. In there and then, instead of here and now, is your past stuck in you? If you've been around, you've heard me tell this story uh, before. When I was probably nine years old, uh, I had a, a Schwinn bike. Someone after the first service told me that it was a, a Schwinn Stingray. I think I think they're right. But it was uh, a, a bike, and it had a banana boat seat, and then it had the handlebars that kind of came up like this, so when you were nine, you could think you were on a Harley it was awesome and uh, I would ride my bike everywhere when I was nine and ten years old and I remember one day I was going to ride to the church building uh, my dad was a pastor and so I was going to ride my bike to the church building and, and uh, I've gone back since I was an adult to see if this was the case but it was actually a very hilly and I would get at the top of the hill and I would go all the way down and I got to where I could hold my arms out I thought I was all cool and, and I would, got up to the top, and so before you would turn the driveway, in the driveway of the, the church property, there would be this kind of long hill, and I it was my favorite parts of the trip, was my last thing, I would come flying down this hill and I would turn in, and there was a long driveway down and around, I would come in and I would do like a, you know, that kind of thing. And I, I was coming up that day and I'm, I'm coming down the, that, cresting that hill, coming that final final hill into the turn, and what I didn't realize is that there was a in front of me was a bunch of gravel on, on the road. You know how cars will spit up gravel? And you know what happens when you're going fast and you're nine and you don't really know what you're doing and you think you do, and you turn. You know what happens, right? Wipe out, right? It's a total and complete wipe out. I fell, I scraped myself up horribly. Uh, I was in incredible pain. To this day, when I get on a bike... I can be going straight as an arrow and I go over gravel. You know what happens, right, when you've had something happen like that in your past and then you experience it in the present moment. You know what you feel, right? You go, (gasps) I, to this day, it's an involuntary response. I don't plan on it. I just see it. (gasps) In some way, the past is stuck in me. How about you? Now, when that happens, the past has a tendency to loom very large over our present moment, and we want to get rid of it, but we don't really know how. Uh, I, I, hate, uh, I hate scary movies. I love going to the movies, uh, but I hate scary movies. It involves a very terrible story with my sister taking me to a haunted house, and so I don't want to tell it because I don't want to get into that. I'll go see a psychologist. It'll all be fine. But I, I hate scary movies. I just hate them. I, I, don't understand, I don't understand why you pay money to torture yourself, but some people think that's great. I, I don't know what's wrong with you, but whatever. Okay. So in college, when the first Jurassic Park movie came out, which I know is not a horror movie, but when you're scared of scary movies, even that's terrifying. So they talked me into going, and we got there kind of late, and the only seats that were available were the seats on the very front row. Don't you hate that when you go to the movies and it's the seat on the front row and you have to watch like this? I can't watch the whole. Movie. So I'm watching these giant dinosaurs go across the screen. I'm terrified. I'm screaming while everyone else is quiet. I'm like, what's wrong with the guy in the front row? And and, and there's this scene in the movie when they're when the, the the heroes of the movie they're in a jeep and they're driving down the road and behind them is a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Maybe they made this famous thing out of it. I think we have a picture of it here on the screen. Objects in mirror may uh, may may be larger than they appear. Right. <laughs> when the past is stuck in you, what happens is it's when you look in the rear view mirror of your life, it looms large it's really big and it, it looks it feels like something is chasing you that's about to get you now there's actually science behind why we can't overcome our past so i want I want to explain it to you so you can say, okay I'm normal uh, and it goes like this: the way God designed our bodies is our, our we get stimulus from the outside world. It comes into our bodies, to so our eyes, our ears, our skin, and, and in our nerve endings, and goes to our spinal column. Our spinal column transmits that uh, into the base of our brain, into what's known as the limbic system. Your limbic system is where you get your fight or flight. You know what that is? Fight or flight is when something happens to you. You either want to fight it or you want to run away from it. It's an involuntary response. You don't really, you don't think about it at all. And to get to the place in our brain where we think a rational thought about what might be terrifying to us or might, what might have been traumatizing to us, it has to go through the limbic system, which is where we feel. And this is why, for many of us, we stay trapped in the past because we had some traumatic thing happen in our past. It went into the limbic system And we stayed right there in that emotion of that moment. It's why today, you can have had something happen four decades ago. The same thing can happen today. And you feel in a second all of the emotion you felt four decades ago. Because you never learned to go past that and to choose a different response. There was a commercial that used to be on. Um, where was an elderly person and there was an advertisement for this thing you'd wear around your neck and they would fall and you you know the phrase like I help I've fallen and I can't get up (laughs) it's kind of like that happens to us emotionally we've fallen down and we don't know how to get up and so we become overwhelmed by our past by abuse that happened or by falling off a bike or being cussed out by a coach what happens is your past gets stuck in you before you have a chance to even think about it. And so you never learn to go past those emotions and respond differently. I've been reading an unbelievable book. I just, uh, just highly recommend it. It's called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Don't Google it right now. Go to Amazon later today and buy it. It's by a pastor, his name's Pete Scazzaro, he pastors a church uh, outside New York City, and he says that that we all have this same thing, this same process happen about our past. And if we don't learn to deal with it, we get stuck in a certain, what he calls an emotional age. And he says that we all go through these stages, because this is the human experience, and and I'm going to show you these four stages, I'm going to describe them for you. And as I describe these four stages for you, you're going to have a temptation. You're going to think, I know somebody who's in that stage. And that explains an awful lot, right? We're always tempted to do that. Don't do that. Think about yourself. Think about where you are in in an emotional stage. And these are the the four stages. He says the first stage that we go through is is what he calls an emotional infant. So you just have to think about a baby. Uh, a baby is all about, you know, take care of me. A baby is driven by the need for instant gratification. Uh, an emotional infant uses others as objects to meet my needs. You know, when you're a new mom and, or a new dad and you have a baby and you think the baby is just loving you, they don't love you. They're just using you. You're just an object to them, right? I'm sorry to break your, burst your bubble, but that's just really what's going on. They're just using you. And someone who's an emotional infant, that's all they know how to do. They don't, they don't know how to do anything other than use other people to make themselves feel good now again i'm not talking about you thinking about someone else (laughs) then he says if you go beyond that then you become uh, an emotional child and just think about a child children are happy as long as they get what they want but then they unravel when there's stress when there's disappointment or when there's trials so my children have done this i think all of them all three of them at some point in their childhood uh, we're in Walmart, and they didn't get what they wanted. And do you know what they do? Throw themselves on the ground. Right? That's that's what an, an emotional child does. And so an emotional child is easily hurt. They complain. They withdraw. They manipulate. They take revenge. They become sarcastic when they don't get their way. It's very hard for an emotional child to dis, to, to, to calmly discuss their needs and wants in a, in a loving way. Just like, I want that. Give that to me. Again, I'm, you're thinking of some other people. I want you to think of you, okay? <laughs> then he says that you can become an emotional teenager. Just think about teenagers. Teenagers get defensive really easy, don't they? Well, what do you mean? Why'd you say it that way? Right? Uh, teenagers, emotional teenagers are threatened and shocked by criticism. How could how could, you, how could you think that about me? Uh, they keep score of what they give so they can ask for something later in return. Maybe you've had someone who will come to you and it's kind of out of the blue. They'll say, um, You know, I, I did this and this and this for you. And all of a sudden you realize they were keeping score. And now, can you do this for me? I mean, emotional teenagers, they're, they're great at that. They deal with conflict very poorly, so they'll blame someone else. It's not my fault, it's her fault. Um, or they'll appease the person. Okay, whatever you want. Or they'll go to a third party. I, I know our, this is our issues between you and me, but I'm going to go talk to this person over here and tell them how bad you are, and then they're going to get on my side, and then we're going to think that you're a bad person. That's how an emotional teenager acts, right? Or they pout, or maybe they'll ignore the issue altogether. Um, they have, an emotional teenager has great difficulty listening to other people's pain, disappointments, and needs. Why? Because... Emotionally, they're all about themselves. Uh, but Pete Scazzaro says the goal is that we would all become emotional adults. This is, these are the kinds of things an emotional adult does. They ask for what they need, want, or prefer, clearly, directly, and honestly. I would really like it if you would stop saying that, because when you say that, I feel this. Could you do that? Not, no criticism, no meanness, just could you do that for me? They recognize, they manage, they take responsibility for their own thoughts and feelings, and when they're under stress, they can even say, here's what I believe, here's my values, without becoming defensive or adversarial, and they can respect others without having to change them. They give people room to make mistakes and not be perfect. They can appreciate people for who they are, because they recognize this about themselves, that everybody has good, bad, and ugly. And I'm not going to tell you, because you, I saw you're ugly, that you're a horrible human being. So, and they can, they can uh, do that for other people. They can accurately assess their own limits and strengths. Um, they're in touch with their own emotional world. And then listen to this. They have the capacity to resolve conflict maturely and negotiate solutions that consider the perspectives of others. Wow, what a great person that is. Now, as I've been going through this list, you have been thinking, I know, I told you don't think about other, but you've been thinking about other people, haven't you, right? Like, I tell you, that's, she is an emotional infant, that is for sure, boom, (laughs) boom, right? I'm asking you to think about you, because listen, if you can't say with complete clarity that I am an emotional adult, and listen, there might be one of you in here that can say that, it's not me, and if you can say it, you're probably in your 80s if you can't say with full confidence and clarity that I am an emotional adult, guess what, guess what? Just like me, there's some part of your past that's stuck in you. Now, what do we do do about that? (laughs) This is what the prophet Isaiah says. He knows this is the human condition. He knows how we get in these messes. And he says something that sounds so on the face, so uh, almost simplistic, but he says... To forget the former things. Now, the word there, that that translation, the NIV translation that we use, um, is a translation of two Hebrew words combined into one English word, forget. And and the, the Hebrew right there is two words, and it means remember not. Remember not. Uh, and, and if you know the Old Testament, you know that one of the things God does in the Old Testament, because God has the wisdom to see the beginning from the end, is that God remembers what happened. And in other words, he takes a past act, he uses it in the present moment as a basis for current action. So, I remember that you're suffering. I remember that you were slaves in Egypt. There's a, a beautiful uh, verse in Genesis chapter 9, the first book in the Bible where there's a flood and then Noah comes out of the flood and God says, listen, I'm going to remember my covenant with you and this is never going to happen again. God remembers and uses those things in the past as a basis for action in the present moment. Now that's part of our, our problem. We don't have the wisdom and perspective of God and we don't usually have that ability. So Isaiah says, well, don't try to put yourself in God's shoes. Remember Not, when you could take and make current decisions based on your past pains, don't. In other words, don't make the past a trusted advisor. See, that's what many people do. They take the past and the pain of the past. And they let the past advise them and counsel them in the present moment. So Isaiah says, so remember not the former things. Well, what were the former things? The former things he's talking about Or when the people of God, the Israelites, came out of slavery in Egypt, and they wandered in the desert for 40 years. And then when they finally got their act together, uh, they went to Jerusalem, and then the superpower of the day, the Babylonians, came in and carted them off to exile because they didn't keep God's commands. He's talking about the painful points of your journey that you have no explanation for. How many of you, like me, have things you can look back on and you can say, I don't know why that happened and I wish it hadn't? Yeah, you have those. You have wilderness and exile moments in your life. Those are the moments where we felt abuse or we felt abandoned or we felt rejection. He's talking about the former things are life's pains and hurts that we all go through. He's saying, remember them not. Don't use them as the basis for current action. Don't use them as an advisor. And then he goes on and he says, so don't, don't dwell on the past the word there is an accounting word dwell it's, it's the count it means to uh, to tally up your hurts to keep a ledger of the ways you've been offended or wounded and, and what happens when you tally things up is they they overwhelm you and so what happens when you're in the process of tallying things up on a regular basis is you look back and and you failed somewhere but in, in your brain and in your heart and in your mind instead of you just failed and something didn't work right you now are a failure or there was a mistaken thing that happened. Maybe you didn't have the right perspective and you made a decision or a choice and it didn't go quite the way you wanted it to go. And instead of it just being that, now I am a mistake. Or you're hurt. And instead of it being a pain that happened, and maybe we could figure out a different way to go about this, then it, the message that gets received in your heart and mind is, well, I guess I'm, perfect, I'm permanently broken and I'm always going to be damaged goods. Who would ever want me? When you let your past advise you, it ends up owning you. So instead, this is what you could do. You could let your past inform you, but not advise you. The past is a great informant, but a terrible advisor. What does that look like in practice? It's the difference between saying, I need to be really careful when I ride my bike across gravel versus... I should probably never get on a bike again. Do you see the difference? Well, how do you, how do you then get past your past? Because this is what Isaiah is telling us. He's telling us how to get past our past. And, and he says that there are two things that are required. I'm going I'm to give them to you, and then I'm going to guide you through an exercise that I think will help you. Here's the first thing he says. He says, okay, remember not the former things, the, the hurts and pains of life. Don't use them as a basis for advice for your current actions and responses. Don't, don't create a ledger book of all the wrongs that have been done to you and allow that to sink into your heart and soul, into your identity. Instead, he says, see. What he's saying is, it starts with your vision, it starts with your ability to see something different. See, all you could see when, when, you're, when you're overwhelmed by your past. All you can see is your past, and that's why you made it your advisor. So these are the kinds of things, this is the kind of advice that your past gives to you when that's all you can see. Don't get too close to anybody. Pretend. Defend yourself and call them names so they don't hurt you. Psst. Go on Facebook. Facebook. And post that so that they know they can't push you around. (laughs) Has has your past ever whispered to you like that? So he says, so you have to see something different. And, And what Isaiah says, you have to see the new thing that God is doing. God is doing something bigger than your past, God is up to more than what you've been through. God's plans are better than your past failures, mistakes, and hurts. It's a new thing that God is doing. Jesus is the, the prime example. Isaiah wrote several hundred years before Jesus. And when Jesus came, the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, were basically saying, you, you can't do this and you can't do that. And you can't talk to those kinds of people. And you can't be around those kinds of, th- th- that kind of a person. And you can't put yourself in those situations. And Jesus says, no, 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 that's, that's, the, old, that's the old way. God's doing a new thing, and so I'm going to insert myself into any situation and be with anybody so that I can communicate to them that God loves them. God is doing a new thing, and Isaiah says, even now that new thing springs up, and the image there is of a a bulb or a plant coming up out of the ground in spring. I know you don't believe it, but in about four or five weeks on the ends of the trees in your yard, there are these little bulbs that are going to stick their heads out. And that little bulb appears so insignificant and if you had no experience and no vision of what is to come next, then you would would put your perception and your experience onto that bulb and say that's not going to be anything. Nothing's going to come from that. That's entirely significant. But your perception and your experience would be no match for the power contained in that little bulb that is even now springing up. This is what we do with our past. Our past is really our perceptions and our experiences. And I need to tell you that your perception and your experiences, whatever it was, is no match for the power God's future contains. Because do you know who speaks to that little tree when it was a little thing, when there's a little, little nut? God said, I see what's inside that seed. And no one can, ex- no scientist can explain to you. No one can understand. They-, they can explain the process that happens. No one can understand. Everyone is still mystified and has wonder at the fact that you can put this little seed in the ground, and it seems insignificant, and like there's nothing to it, and then up out of the ground grows this great big giant tree that kids can climb in and swing from the branches, and then leaves come out in the spring. It's this beautiful mystery, because why? Because God put the potential inside the tree, and inside the seed, and inside the bulb, and there, you say, well, I don't see anything different. That's because you have a limited vision, perception, and experience. And if you could see what God was doing, a new thing, you can see where God's going. It would change everything. So you have to move, you have to let your past inform you and then you have to let God's future advise you. What's God's future? Again, Isaiah is writing several hundred years before Jesus and when Jesus comes, God's future is Jesus. (laughs) And when Jesus comes, what he does is he lays himself on the cross. Right? We're going to celebrate that at Easter in a few weeks. We're going to have three services, 8, 9, 30, 11. You can invite somebody. We celebrate what happened on Good Friday, and then on Sunday morning is Easter Sunday when we celebrate the resurrection. And here's what the cross is. The cross is about redemption. What is redemption? It's when you redeem someone's past. It's all about God taking the ugliness of your past and saying, there's a better future. You don't have to be defined by your past anymore. I love, I love one of the things that I get to say whenever I get to baptize someone when we do Baptism Sunday. Maybe you've been here and you've wondered what we say to people when they're in the pool. And one of the things I always ask people, uh, ask people, I say, "Do you know that God has wiped the slate clean and He holds absolutely nothing against you?" And people almost always, the tears will roll down their cheeks. Why? Because everybody has a past that needs to be redeemed. Everybody. Everybody has a place where the past has been stuck in them, and God's future is, is redemption, means something can be done about your past, but you've got to see it you got to see it. Then what Isaiah says, uh, he says that you've, the second thing is that you've got to know God personally if you're going to get past your past. And, and the word he uses there, he says, it springs up, do you not perceive it? The word perceive right there is a Hebrew word, and the Hebrew word is yada. Would you say that to your neighbor? Yada. You have to say it like that or it's not any fun, right? Yada. And yada Means uh, to know, and it means to know something personally. Not to know about it, not to read an article about it, not to hear someone else describe it, not to see someone else go to it, but you know it personally for yourself. And many people, they know about God, they've heard about God, but they don't know God personally for themselves. You have to know it for yourself. And when you know God personally for yourself, You now have a new direction for your life. You have something that's going to anchor you and hold you when life's storms are coming and when the past swirls around you like a blizzard. Now, don't don't tell anybody this, and I'd like to just keep it between you and me, Uh, but when I was a kid, I used to read the Laura Laura Ingalls Wilder (laughs) books. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about, but if you knew, oh, the, the, there was a TV show called Little House on the Prairie that was based on Laura Ingalls Wilder's actual true events growing up in the 1800s out on the plains. I don't know if you've been to the plains, Kansas and Nebraska and north and South Dakota, and I've spent a lot of time out there. My dad was born on the plains out in Kansas, and I spent a lot of time out there. And back when someone, if you can think back to when someone would have had a homestead and they don't have neighbors, and, and when a blizzard would come in the winter um, and, and the farmer who was working that homestead would have to go out to the barn to check on the cows or the goats or, or, and make sure they were okay in the blizzard. It was, a, it was a, 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 unfortunately a kind of common thing that you could go out your door in a blizzard and you wouldn't be able to see. And there were instances where someone would go out the door trying to get to the barn. They might make it to the barn, they might not. But then they would wander around trying to find their way back into the warmth and into home and they would freeze to death just a few feet from their door. And what they discovered was that if you took a rope and if you tied it to the barn and you put it right by your front door, when you went out your front door, you could grab on to the rope. You could have a personal experience of guidance to where you're trying to go and where you're trying to get back to. And you could pull yourself through any kind of storm to where you needed to go. And there's, I, there, I know there are two groups of people in here today. There are some of you that you've never had a personal experience of knowing the God who can guide you past your past. God's a word to you. You consider yourself a spiritual person, and you're 90-some-odd percent of Americans believe in God, and you, just, you have this generalized belief that there's some God somewhere who might like you or might not and don't want to make them mad but you don't know God personally. And so you don't have that rope that you can hold on to in the storm. And this could be the day for you that's like the split of time from before B.C. to A.D. This could be a great moment for you because you take hold of the rope. You pick. We call it following Jesus, that Jesus is the guide and you can know God personally by beginning to follow Jesus. And I'll guide you through how to begin that relationship in just a minute but then there are some of you that um, you've you're you're a christian but i got some good news and i got some bad news The, the bad news is that just because you began to follow jesus doesn't mean that you've dealt with all of your issues all of god is available for all that you've been through but we don't always know how to apply all of that and so you may love god with all of your heart but you've never had anybody help you get past being an emotional child and all you know how to do is respond like a child. And you're like, I don't know how to do what I would like. And you need, you need to say, okay, God, I've got to learn now to be, actually become and grow up into an, um, an emotional adult who doesn't do those things anymore. Do you know, I, it's a very common thing as a pastor, I see this all the time, that people, there's some people that just cause drama everywhere they go and they think it's other people's fault reason is they just haven't grown up yet <laughs> but you can you can grow up it'll be all right you just got to take hold of the rope and begin to make progress and if it's one step after another but you you got the rope to hold on to to help you in the storm so here's what i like to do I'd like to invite you to have just a a personal moment. I'm I'm going to, if you're new here, uh, you you may, this may be awkward to you, but we just will close our eyes and you can close your eyes. No one's going to come take your wallet (laughs) or your purse or your coat. It's all good, right? Everyone's having their own moment here. And I'd invite you to have a a personal moment. And, And if you're that person who God has just been a word to you, and you know, you know, like every human being does, that your past is eating your lunch, and you would just like a guide. Man, I got such great news for you. Jesus is God's new thing, and you can know him personally. And if that's you, I'd like you, to, if you'd like to just begin a relationship with God, I'm going to offer you some words that you can, you can just say, pray in your own mind, and God hears that. You might say this. You might just say, God, I'm aware that I need some help. I'm aware that I don't know what to do. I know now. And so I'm asking you to uh, guide my life. And I'm picking up the rope today. And I'm trusting that you're going to help me. And so I pray that you'd forgive me for the stuff in my past And I thank you for what you're going to do in my future. And so now I'm going to let you guide my life. If you prayed a, a simple prayer like that, would you just, no one's looking around, just slip up your hand, just up and down, just real quickly. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Across the room. And then for everyone else in the room, that's that's all of us, if, if you do this, we do this on a kind of regular basis um, through this series especially. But if you'd take your hands and squeeze them like into a fist and I just want you to imagine that all that stuff in the past all those words that were said to you all the times you rode a bike across the gravel all the times you you think oh if I could only get past that thing I just want you to wad them up in your hands and I want you to throw them away I want you to shake it off I want you to shake away that past Remember it not. I'm, I'm no longer, God, going to use what happened in the past as the basis for my current action. I, I can do better than that with your help. and Let it go. Release it. Shake it off. And then if you would, if you'd turn your hands uh, up again, this is your personal moment. No one's looking at you. And receive from God a new thing. God, we receive from you something new. We receive redemption from you, a change in our history that affects our future. We receive what you did on the cross for us, that was a complete and finished act that resolved what we couldn't resolve, that fixed what we couldn't fix, that offers to us the ability to heal what we cannot heal. And so we receive that today. And I pray that you would help us, uh, Father, as we grow into emotional adults, able to love and be loved and ask for what we want and help other people and think about their needs and make a massive difference for the region in your name. So thank you that you're the rope in the middle of our storm. We take hold of it today, and all God's people that wanted it said, Amen. I want to invite you to stand with me if you would. We always leave you with a blessing. You'll see people around you holding out their hands. That's just their way of saying they'd like to receive it. If you're comfortable with that, great. If you're not, that's okay too. Just receive this blessing. May you know the love of God for you that loved you when you were a complete emotional infant. (laughs) Loves you if you're an emotional infant today. Knows how to help you take hold of the rope and grow up. And provide you the love and resources to do it. You're sent now to love God, to love people, to serve the world in Jesus' name. Hug somebody, tell them you love them. See ya.